You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I'm going to minister to you a wonderful truth. It's about letting out the blessing. And as we get into this, there's some revelation in this message that I believe will equip you and bless you for the work of the ministry beyond what you could ever imagine in your life. It's that powerful. I want to talk about how to let out the blessing. We know in scriptures that when you're a believer and you believe in Christ, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, but how do you let it out? Because I've learned this, that you can have all the money in the world and not have the blessing. And I've found this also be true that you can be broke and have nothing but still have the blessing because the blessing isn't the money it's not the material things it's the supernatural favor of God that blesses what you put your hand to do it's spiritual it's not physical so if you're in a hard spot right now understand something that if you believed on Christ you are blessed and that blessing may be unseen but it has the ability to produce results it has the ability to produce increase it has the ability to provide for you in ways that you never even imagined in your life it has that power and so I'm trusting today that you will remember that because it isn't how much you got in the the bank that matters and it's not it doesn't matter what matters is you have the blessing and if we let it out wherever we're at whatever we're doing God can begin to bless us in that situation I want to read to you a verse out of Deuteronomy 28 one of my favorite but it talks about the blessing and then I want to relate to you an illustration I used years ago about the blessing how you can get it to be released in your life it says now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I have commanded you today that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Now watch this next part. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the blessing comes upon you, but it also overtakes you. In other words, it'll get ahead of you. It'll chase you down but it's, while it's still on you and overwhelm you by that. You know, many years ago, we were doing an outreach of the church and we had brought in a very famous singer. I don't remember her name, but she was very famous. We had to set up a trailer out there. We had a security and everything. She, anyway, we brought her in because we wanted to minister to people. And we brought her and she did her concert. And I did a, a relatively short message at the end. But in the message, I talked about the blessing. And what I did is I took three individuals. One was my wife and then uh, another one was I believe it was Pastor Bill and then I said here's Bill's going to be God my wife's going to be the blessing and I'm going to be the one that wants the blessing to come upon me and then what I did is I had, I had Bill running around the building and I started chasing after him and then I told my wife I said because she's the blessing I said you got to catch me the more I chase Bill the more you have to catch me and the illustration was really displaying one thing that when you seek God the blessings chase you 
Now, I let my wife catch me, praise God. But with God, he can catch you. If you're seeking after God, the blessings will overtake you. They will come upon you. They will pursue you. They'll, they'll hunt you down. But you've got to be seeking after God. And that's something I think sometimes that we miss as individuals. We think, well, I'll, you know, God just should bless me. No, no, it's in seeking. Jesus said it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your own, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, if you, if you pursue me, I'm going to pursue you with my blessing. And during this time of, of being isolated and quarantine and all that stuff, we need to seek God. We need to seek him with all our heart and with all our mind because when we do, God is going to minister to us in a powerful way and he wants to do that for you in your life. Church, understand this, that I know it's difficult for many of you. But if you seek God, his blessing will pursue you and it will overtake you. God loves you so much and, and the more we seek his face, the more he just pours his blessing upon us in special ways that gives us joy in the midst of a storm, gives us peace in the midst of turmoil. That's what God does and that's what God wants to do for you today in this message. But one of the things that I think that happens when we're in these battles, these trials in our lives is is sometimes our faith does not work right because we don't know, is God chastening me? Is this, is this happening because I did something wrong or because people in America have done things wrong? You know, what is, is, is God the one bringing this on us? Is it because of the sins of our fathers? What is it? Or is it just Satan trying to destroy the people well, I want to answer that question because you're not going to be able to seek God if you're not sure who the enemy is. It's going to be difficult for you. I want to read to you a verse in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22. And this is a verse that God put out during the time that God had put 10 plagues on Egypt. And I want you to notice what it says. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. In other words, when all these 10 plagues fell, God protected his people. When darkness fell, there was light in Goshen. When the frogs were released and multiplied, they didn't go to the land of Goshen. When the river Nile was turned into blood, it didn't go into the, to the land of Gosha. In other words, the land of Gosha was protected because God's people were in there. And listen to me. God is not the one shutting down churches all over the globe. This is a satanic attack. And it's satanic because Satan knows that his time is short. Jesus is coming back. And he's just ramped up his evil. And we're in the midst of that, but I want you to know we're going to win, we're going to come out, and there's going to be a huge, great, supernatural revival after this trial that the world has never seen. 
it's that exciting. There's so many things in my spirit that, I, that I'm, I'd like to prophesy we're going to do right now, but I, I need to talk to people and, and find out we got the money to do it because I believe God is going to open up huge doors for us. But I want you to hear me when I say this. This revival, this blessing is coming because our, God's not chastening us. He's not disciplining us. This is a demonic attack to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand that. Our enemy is that. And let me just say, they say, well, yeah, but I've been backsliding. You, you know, pastor, you preach to how people are not committed to God the way they should and all that. That's true, and you need to repent of it today. Repent of not being in church every time the door is open. Repent of not giving the way that you should. Repent of not serving. Repent of holding resentment towards someone. Re repent of it now. Do it today. And seek God because repentance is part of the process of how we seek God. But this trial is not because of those things. It's because the devil knows his time is short and he's trying to extinguish the people of God and the work of God and destroy the anointing, but he can't do it because God is greater than he is. Can you say amen, everybody? Now, I want to I say something here at this point because when you seek the blessing, you, you go from a victim to a victor. Let me say it again. You go from a victim to a victor with a head, not tail, above and not beneath. But many times people get caught in this victim mentality and, and when you're in it, you don't see God because you are self-consumed. See, the victim mentality is, well, it's somebody else's fault. Someone else did this, and this is why this is happening to me and all this stuff. And we blame everyone, and we, and we take away f from doing our own responsibilities. Trust me. We are responsible to stand in faith for what we believe and to fight in faith because without it, we won't see the victory that God has desired for us to have. You've got to have it. One of the greatest revelations that I learned years ago from the father of my faith, Brother Kenneth e. Hagan, was a story that he told when he had a vision of the Lord. And in the vision, he saw Jesus, and he could see him clearly, and Jesus was teaching him something, uh, a topic that, that he needed insight into. And all of a sudden, this demon shows up and starts making all this noise and racket, and because the demon was making so much racket, he couldn't hear what the Lord was saying. And, and actually, he, the, the vision itself became clouded with a cloud, and he couldn't see the Lord with all this noise and all this. And he couldn't understand why the Lord wasn't dealing with the demon. So he spoke to the demon, commanded to leave, and it left. And then the Lord reappeared and he said to the Lord this statement, he said, Lord, how come you didn't deal with the demon? Now he's in a vision. And the Lord said this to him, and I'll never forget. The Lord said, I couldn't. Now, of course, that set Brother Hagin back because he'd been taught like everyone else that God can do whatever he wants to do and whatever. And, and he, he didn't believe it at first. And he said, you're going to have to show that to me 
in verses in the Bible. And, and then the, and Jesus began with great patience, sharing with him that in his own town, he could not do any mighty miracles. Not, not, not that he wouldn't, but he couldn't because of the unbelief. There's a responsibility for the church to use its faith. God's not going to cast the devil out for you. You've got to cast the devil out yourself. Nowhere does it say that God will resist the devil for you. It says you risk the, risk the, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I never, I've never forgotten that revelation because it was so awakening because, you know, I was raised in traditional churches that didn't even mention anything like this. Had no idea it was even in the Bible. But if you're going to seek God and see the blessing released in your life, you're going to have to be a person that will take his authority and use it and realize that a lot of the things that we permit in our life are because we permit them. God permits things. It doesn't mean that he commissions things, but he permissions many things that we permit ourselves. So we have to stand strong and resist the devil and fight in faith as God says in the word to see the blessing of God come to pass in our lives. That's what God wants you to have spiritually. And that's seeking God. When I seek God, I'm pursuing his will and, and his blessings come upon me. How many times have you just felt depressed and you got that, that uh, survivor's mentality, you got that loser's limp and you just say well you know if God wants to do something about it he's going to do something about it when God wants you to stand up and resist the negativity and the and the evil that was coming at you he wanted you to resist it but you didn't know any better because you were in that self-pity you were in that mental defeat well we want to break that today because we want the blessing to come upon you even in quarantine the blessing can overtake you I mean, I'm blown away. I'm in, a, I'm in a, a building empty with just a few people, and the anointing of God was so strong this morning. It was like I was in a convention, and everybody had been praying and fasting. The presence of God is so strong. His blessing will come upon you. Even when you're alone, even when you're not in that situation that you would like to be. I want to show you a verse in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 and 3 and as we look at this and this is not a tithing message but in this text a lot of people say well God put this curse on the people because they didn't tithe or give their offerings no God didn't put the curse on them they put the curse on themselves because in it he says that he'll rebuke the devourer God's not going to rebuke himself if he's the one putting it on him just like the storms that came against Jesus didn't come from God. Jesus wouldn't rebuke God if God was the one that brought the storm. A lot of times we read scripture, we don't see it in the right light. But I want you to see a truth here. And my emphasis here is, is, the, is heaven. What does it mean to open heaven to you? What does that mean exactly? It said, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be food in your house try me now and this says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be room in my, uh, room in my house to receive it now watch the next part 
and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fall bear or fail to bear from the fruit for you in the field says the Lord of hosts I want you to see from it he says he's going to open up the windows of heaven what does that mean well obviously he's talking about giving him favorable weather for a harvest but it's more than that I want you to remember this that whenever God releases the blessing he always releases revelation and revelation is not something just about end times revelation is when God reveals something to you that you wouldn't know unless he showed it to you that's simply what it means it means it's God speaking to you or bearing witness to you about something in your life that you need victory in when God opens the heavens here's what happens he gives people <coughs> excuse me revelation in the trial that they're going through and in that trial it gives them a way way out of the mess he gave revelation to Abram he gave revelation to Isaac he gave revelation to Jacob he told Abram he says if you do this I'm gonna I'm gonna make you famous and I'm gonna cause you to become a blessing if you follow me somewhere that I'm not telling you where you're going yet gave him revelation and God blessed him made him rich Isaac was in a time of famine one time and he was going to go to Egypt that's the typical thing that you would do to get resources and God said no I don't want you to go there. I want you to go over here and I want you to sow now he's asking him to sow seed when there is no water to germinate the seed but he does it anyway and gets a hundredfold harvest that he had sown which is only typical to get 12 to 14 percent fold but a hundredfold is supernatural God made him rich simply by the revelation that he received Jacob same thing he was a deceiver he had a lot of character issues and he was working for his uncle and the uncle had changed his wages 10 times and one of the wages that he had was that you could have the spotted and speckled sheep were the ones that were the minority not the ones that were the most that's your wages and an angel of the Lord appeared to him and says the, you're going to receive these spotted and speckled sheep and and showed him how to develop a vision for it and and so when the sheep were uh having sex or whatever however they want to say it he would put a little fence around them so he looked in and could see it and they would be like spotted speckled sheep and he built a vision for it and god's spirit blessed him and it said he became rich from that revelation so when i talk about opening heaven I'm not talking about just a physical thing. I'm talking about God speaking to you. When God, one word from God can change your life forever. And when you seek God, it isn't one way. He wants to speak to you. When you obey God, it opens up the door of revelation where God can minister to you and speak to you in a very special way. And he loves to do that and wants to do that for all of you here today. Because he loves you. I want to read to you a verse, one of my favorite verses, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. And as I read this to you, I want you to see why I spend so much time in prayer before I preach. 
it's because I, I need a, a word that's alive. Not just one I came up with my own understanding, my own intelligence, but one God breathed on. Listen to what he says. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And the word oracles there, it means living oracles. You find that and you write this down for reference in Acts 7, verse 38. So we could read it this way. If anyone speaks, let him speak the living oracles of God. Notice living. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with an ability with God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm saying this because I feel like in the church today there's just a lot of people doing canned sermons. It's just sermons. I, one preacher one time he said this. He said, well I made up a whole bunch of sermons for the whole year within a couple of weeks or whatever and I'm thinking, how could you possibly get revelation from God to make that many sermons? I mean, even Moses could, didn't write that many sermons, and he was in the very presence of God. My point is, we need to take the time to hear from God. Sometimes I'll, move, I'll mill over a verse, and I've been looking at that verse for years. And just at the right moment, seeking God in, all of a sudden God shows me something I never saw before. That's what will change your life. And that's what releases the blessing. That's that supernatural thing that happens. I'll give you an example of this. I, uh, years ago, when the church had first started, I went on the radio and I was on a 30-minute spot daily. And it was a really cheesy radio station. And we had to actually go to the radio studio itself and do it. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a real, uh, obviously, good time. Or I couldn't have been able to afford it anyway. The church hadn't been going that long. But anyway, I did it. And I was doing a half an hour spot a day. And after a while, I just, I wasn't seeing the results. It was a lot of work. I had a missionary friend help me with it. It was just a lot of work and so I said, I gotta, I'm just going to go off it. And I remember I went off it, and I was really kind of bummed out about it. And the Lord spoke to me and says, I'm going to give you some time that's going to take less than what you're doing and give you great fruitfulness from it. And I remember the Lord spoke to me about that. So I was all encouraged. All of a sudden, this... Either radio station calls me up and says, here's what I want to give you. And they took these little minute spots and they rotated them. And during that time, we got loads of visitors that came to the church through this. Just one word the Lord gave me. And you know what's crazy about it? Even though it may not have been the most fruitful half an hour I ever spent, God made it fruitful beyond what I could see. Out of that, there was a lady that came to her church with her family. Well, actually, just with her husband. And she had had a partial hysterectomy and couldn't have any babies. And this was during a time the Holy Spirit had fallen on the church. There were gifts of the Spirit operating. And I began to minister to her, and she kept falling over the power, and I 
ministered her again and again and again. I think I must have prayed for her five times. Anyway, God miraculously healed her, and she got pregnant and had a baby child by the name of Adam, a little baby boy. And so even though there wasn't a lot of fruit, there was that miracle. She, never, she said she came to the church because she heard me on the 30-minute spot. God is so gracious, but we all need these words of God. We need God to speak to us and breathe to us in our time of trial. Because without it, you know, you're facing your own problems and you don't have that ability to overcome. Now, let me give you some revelation. And let me just speak to you from my heart because this is something the Lord showed me that's so powerful because I'm an example of this in my own life. I know this works. I run into people all the time that have problems with lust, with pride, with the lust of the eyes, all kind of greed, jealousy, all that kind of stuff. People just really struggle with it. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this about his teachings. He said, the person that hears my sayings and does them will be like a man who builds his house on a rock. When the storms come and the wind beats against it, it will stand, it will not be shaken in any way, shape, or form. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus says. If you hear my words and you do them, you'll be, you'll be building your house like on a rock. Well, think about the teaching of Jesus. Did Jesus ever teach, do not commit outward adultery? No, he never did. He taught, don't commit inward adultery. Did he ever really directly say, do not murder? No, he taught do not murder in your heart in other words what he taught was the battle is within the actions outward obviously he doesn't want us to do either but that's not how he taught he said you're going to have to overcome the battles within if you're going to prevent your actions from being bad horrible and all that stuff and that's what he taught. And that's how you build your house on the rock is by winning the battle within. Not outward, within. If I can win the battle over a bad attitude within, I can win outwardly. If I can win the battle within over lust inwardly, I can win outwardly. If I can win the battle within anger and frustration, if I can win that within... I will never have a problem without. That's the person that built his house. He's not talking about outward actions. He's talking about inward actions. And here's one of the things that, that will put the flesh down faster than anything else. Believing in a promise. Listen to me when I say this to you. The promises of God tell us not only what God will provide for us, but they enable us to disable the flesh. When people are greedy, it's because they don't believe in God's provision. In other words, all the works of the flesh, 
they all support your unbelief. But when you believe in a promise, it cuts you off from the flesh that is trying to get you to believe in something contrary to the word. The promise of God is how you get rid of fear and greed and jealousy in your life. The promise of God. When God took Israel into the promised land or attempted to, he just gave them a promise, said, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. If they would have believed that, they wouldn't have grumbled and complained. But the grumbling and complaining supported the unbelief that they couldn't have God's best. So it was a byproduct of their unbelief, the grumbling and the complaining. Do you understand what I'm saying? The promise of God is what keeps us in the spirit. It, when we, God promises something and we know he won't leave us and forsake us and we know that, that we have nothing to fear because God's with us. When we understand these promises that God will, the Bible said that many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of all of them, not some of them, not 99%, but all of them. When you believe in that promise, then your fear has no access into your life. Then your doubts have no place in your life. And you can walk in the Spirit. Whenever you got people who are greedy, and jealous it's simply because they've stopped believing the promises if you believe the promise it eliminates jealousy because you don't have to hoard up for yourself because you know that the same God that you serve will bless everyone the same you don't have to hoard up because you know that the harvest is in the seed because you believe it do you understand how that works Instead of just trying to be super spiritual, well, I'm not going to be jealous or whatever, just believe the promise. Because jealousy needs the doubt and unbelief to exist. You can't be jealous unless you've got doubt and unbelief. You can't be greedy unless you've got doubt and unbelief. None of those things will have a force in your life unless that's the case. But when you become promise-orientated and you believe in the promise and you reject that, the lust of the flesh has no place. It can't defeat you. And you can live out your Christian life and not be like so many because I've seen people. In fact, I had a fellow come to the church and he was a, a minister and he had been unfaithful to his wife and he started a, a, a ministry after he had repented on ministering to families. He went all around the country became rather famous doing it and it was all because he'd overcome the inward battle but the battle came back and this time he gave in again and he lost everything so it's not a battle that you win once and that's it you'll fight it for the rest of your life but if you can win within the blessing will keep coming upon you the blessing will keep overtaking you overwhelming you and bringing you into the kind of life that God wants you to have. Can you say amen? He's so good, he's so powerful, and he wants to bless you in a supernatural way. Write this down. The promise is always bigger than the problem or the adversity that you're facing in your life. 
It's never smaller. It's always bigger. It's always more grand. It's always more supernatural, more powerful. Now, we're right now living in a biblical event in history. Never been a time in history where the entire world has been shut down. This is biblical. This is one of the, 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 the most strange things that this world has ever seen. But where is the promise in the Bible that we can go to in the midst of this? Let me give you a couple of references. Joel chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. In fact, uh, if you have it, put it on the screen here. Look at what it says. Hear this, you elders, and give ear all the inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days and even in the days of your father? Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. The problem in Joel was they were experiencing a, a plague of locusts that was so huge that it had never happened in any other generation before. And that's the book that says in Joel 2.24 that God will restore the years of the damage this locust have done. And that promise wasn't just for them. It's for us. When you're experiencing something that's never been seen this bad before, is there any redemption? Yes, that's the promise. And look at, and, and people are saying things like this. They're saying, well, man, I don't know, man. What are we going to do here? And this, this problem is so severe. I mean, people are saying we're going to go into a recession or some people are saying we're going into a depression it's going to take years and years and years and years and years to restore you know back from this and whatever this promise is for us today that god will restore the years of the damage of this plague now listen to this carefully it says i'll restore the years he's not just talking about the years that the damage happened with the locust. He's talking about the years of the aftermath as well. In other words, under normal conditions, it would take years and years and years to recover from a plague of this magnitude. In fact, I'll just throw this out to you. In March of this year, 2020, there was a locust plague in Kenya. It's still going on as far as I know that is so bad that it's actually worse than the one that we just that that Joel talks about they say that these locusts are eating uh, 35,000 or people's worth of food a day that's how bad this thing is and in Joel's plague there were five kinds of locusts there are 20 species of locusts that are going on right now. But this promise is so when we experience something that is far worse than we've ever seen before, that God will restore us. And I'm telling you right now that God is not only going to restore what has been wrecked, He's going to restore it in record-breaking time. It's going to blow people away because part of the promise is 
that God would, 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 would bless them and cause the harvest to all happen in the same month. In other words, he would combine the beginning and the end and brought it together as one. And that's the promise of this redemption. There's going to be a supernatural re re restoring in America from this if the church believes. And I'd rather be on the believing side than the doubting side. I'd rather be on the side that's building up than the side that's tearing down. God wants us to do it personally. Now, maybe you're saying, but pastor, you know I'm weak in faith and I don't know what to do about that. Please hear me when I say this to you. There's two kinds of faith talked about in Scripture. Natural faith that people have. You have faith when you get on an airplane. You have faith when you sit on a chair that it'll support you. It's human faith. But the Bible talks about a God kind of faith. But is it different than the human faith it's different in this respect God takes your human faith and when you believe in the word of God the divine nature from that word permeates is absorbed in your faith and all of a sudden you have this God kind of faith in other words human faith all things are possible that are natural but when you have his divine nature in your faith all things are possible beyond what is human when you have faith in this word Whew, I don't know if you got I preached myself happy right then I tell you what it's exciting this is revelation I want you to see that you have the kind of faith I'm preaching here is from the word and it will bring restoration and healing in your life. It'll heal where there is no antidote for it. It'll provide where there is no provision. It is supernatural. Let me show you natural faith, what it can do. Write this down. In the seven, or excuse me, not the, I think it was the 1700, yeah, 1970, the people that lifted weights and, uh, there was a record they couldn't break and that was 500 pounds lifting over their heads it's one thing to lift it up like that but these people that were power lifters uh, they had never been able to breach the mark of 500 or, or past 500 pounds over their head and this man his name is Vasily Alexandrian if I'm saying it right and he was in competition and his coach told him, he said, all right, I want you to lift this. This is, this is what you've normally lifted. You go ahead and do this in the part of the competition. And so he gets up there and lifts this thing up and throws it up, presses it, brings it down. And his coach starts yelling and screaming and everybody goes berserk because the coach lied to him. It was five hundred and five pounds he broke the world's record because he thought it was the same that he had lifted before that's human faith but when you take this word and you mix that word with your faith and his divine nature gets in your faith there's no mountain there's no problems that you cannot overcome in your life.
And that's what I want to leave with you today because I believe God wants you to be blessed, overflowing. Let me pray for you right now. Father, thank you so much. And Lord, I'm asking that this encouraging word would lift us up. And whatever we're facing, Father, we would break through into victory. And we would trust you, Lord, for the breakthrough that you called us to. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship.